Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm your host, Tom Williams. Research tells us schools can be safer places when we cultivate healthy environments in which our students feel they are able to address bullying and the potential for violence before they result in serious consequences. Today, we'll hear from a nationally known expert on bullying, prevention, and school safety, Dr. Dorothy Espelage, a professor at UNC Chapel Hill. We'll also talk with a student and assistant principal at Nightdale High School in Wake County, where they have implemented a link crew that enables juniors and seniors to support incoming freshmen and create a healthy school climate that deters incidences of bullying. Before we tackle our main topics, we open with headlines, our quick scan of education headlines across North Carolina and the U.S. The North Carolina General Assembly reconvened for a one-day session last week, and once again, lawmakers failed to override Governor Cooper's budget veto. Lawmakers have not been able to pass a budget since the beginning of this fiscal year that began last July, with the top sticking points being Medicaid expansion and teacher pay. During the one-day session, Senate Republicans attempted to resurrect legislation proposed last year that would have given teachers a pay raise. But Democrats would not agree to the measure because the more significant raises contained in the proposal were contingent on passage of the full state budget. Several North Carolina universities have ranked among the best in the country for their online education programs. UNC Chapel Hill ranked number one for an online master's degree in business administration. NC State ranked seventh for their online graduate engineering program, placing second in civil engineering, and UNC Wilmington ranked eighth for its online bachelor's degree programs. Online programs give students more flexibility and are more affordable options. One third of students have taken at least one online course and 16% are enrolled exclusively in online education. While flexibility and affordability is being offered online, the UNC system is also working to increase enrollment among disadvantaged populations through a $25 million grant, GEARUP, which stands for Gaining Early Awareness and Readiness for Undergraduate Programs, is a seven-year-long college access initiative funded by the U.S. Department of Education. It's designed to better prepare low-income students for college, university, and technical and vocational schools. The grant's targeted towards 15 schools across the state with low college enrollment rates, as well as a high free and reduced price lunch enrollment. The program offers services and activities to students in grades 7 through 12 and their families, educators, and community leaders while providing tutoring, advising, college visits, financial aid workshops, and other means to assist. Remember, you can visit the Public School Forum's website at ncforum.org. Click Education Matters and read more about each of the headlines as well as other topics we cover each week. Earlier this week, I sat down with UNC professor and national bullying prevention expert, Dr. Dorothy Espelage, to talk about her research on how to help schools develop a healthier climate that makes students feel more safe, secure, and better able to see in school and in life. Please take a look. When you look at school bullying, school safety, school violence, um, and in particular, when we talk about bullying, what's kind of the basic definition that you use? 
Yeah, oftentimes there's confusion of parents and teachers when they think about what exactly is bullying and how does bullying differ from normal conflicts. Um, researchers have really established that bullying is different in that um, than normal conflict in that it is repeated for it's over and over again. So it's just not that you and I have a conflict and we move on, that it's just repeated. So there might be a bully that comes after me as a victim or as a target, and that happens over time. There's also the sense that those that are targeted, the victim, if you will, uh, really do not have the skills to defend themselves, whether that's other friends to stand up for them or the personality to kind of use humor and overcome that. So we're really concerned about bullying because it's chronic, it's repetitive, we have victims that cannot defend themselves, and oftentimes they go in silence, and this continues to kind of wreak havoc, if you will, on their mental health issues and their self-image. I know from looking at some of your research, um, reading some of your work, uh, that you identified bullying as really part of the American fabric, uh, part of social norms within our culture. Uh, and that we're probably never going to eliminate it 100% of the time. However, you have found some things that are really critically important to help reduce and mitigate this. Tell us a little bit about yeah, what Yeah, it's important, are. right? So I've studied this for a quarter of a century. It's amazing to say for 25 years that we've been trying to address bullying in our schools. Uh, 25 years ago, we really did accept that this was just part of growing up, that it made us stronger individuals, that this made us really strong when we went into the workforce. I think we've recognized through strong research that there are some kids that are targeted through bullying, that really this is something that scars them for the rest of their life. They carry this with them. That being said, about 40% of kids in K-12 settings have some involvement, whether they're the perpetrator, the bully, or the bystander sitting around, please don't turn on me. When we're thinking about 40% of the population in K-12 settings, and we can extend it to college campuses, and we can extend it to our workplaces, this is not something that over the night we're going to flip the switch off and then bullying is just going to disappear. There is something adaptive around bullying, right? This is the ways in which kids establish hierarchies within our schools. We know that kids that engage in high rates of bullying are overrepresented in sports. They're popular. They have what we have called high social capital. However, that said, that there's 40% involved in this bullying phenomenon, we're not going to eradicate that to zero, right? We've done this for 25 years. We continue to see that bullying is emerging in different places. However, we do have some schools in which um, kids are enjoying the time that they spend with their peers. And what does that look like? In a school that has less bullying, where that 40% is down to 10 or 15%, what does that look like? That looks like really strong relationships, open communication, trust among the peers, but also open communication with the students and the teachers. Many of us that do this work and have done it really believe that eradicating or minimizing bullying comes down to promoting positive relationships such that I trust you to tell you what's happening when I'm being victimized or if my friend is being victimized. So, so much of the work that we're doing around school safety, whether it's bullying or other forms of violence in the school setting, is to promote that positive relationship. From my perspective, and I've thought this way for a quarter of a century, when you look at a healthy school and you look at a healthy family, you see very similar characteristics, right? Very strong relationships, open communication, the ability to manage conflicts in a very constructive way. And so when we think about it, many parents can, and students can think about this, when you walk into a school and you just feel warm inside, 
that's probably a school that has a positive ethos, a positive school climate, one in which the peers feel connected to defend one another against bullying, those types of things. Um, it's interesting, too, in looking at some of your research that you make the point that there's actually, uh, as people are in search of the silver bullet, if you will, there's actually anti-bullying strategies that maybe are not evidence-based um, and maybe can actually make bullying wor worse. What would some of those things look like? Absolutely. As social scientists, we're very fortunate to have what we call these meta-analysis. So we take a huge body of literature and we summarize to say what works or what doesn't work in bullying prevention. Those studies have said what doesn't work. And what doesn't work is putting all the kids in a school assembly and pointing the finger at them or bringing someone in that child has um, given their life to suicide, if you will, bringing them in and somehow threatening the kids. The one-off assemblies do not work. One-off assemblies actually increase the rates of bullying if that's where you stop. We see one-off assemblies as a way to launch a more broad school climate improvement process. We also have found and have said this for decades, only now the research is catching up with it, do not put the bully perpetrator, whether it's an individual or a group, in the room with the target or the victim, right? There's a power differential, put them in the room, and schools continue to be proud of their peer mediation programs. Peer mediation is good when there's equal footing for the perpetrator and the victim. Do not put them in a room. Do not run groups for kids that engage in high rates of bullying. They learn from one another, right? So many school districts are, are proud of the wait list that they have for their support group for bullies. All there is is their learning strategies. The final big caution to school districts is when they select a bullying prevention approach or a program where they cannot implement it as intended. So I often hear social workers say, well, I only have time for four lessons. Well, then do not select that program that's developmentally sequenced with 15 lessons. Find a program that fits what you can do, the needs of your constituency, if you will, your populations, um, and really look to the evidence. We have strong evidence base. To, we know what works under what circumstance, and we what, know what schools should avoid. We've seen um, an increase in research around adverse childhood experiences, ASA, trauma on student learning and development, and social-emotional learning has kind of developed out of that. What do you see as the benefits of social-emotional learning, and what does that look like in a school? Yeah, so oftentimes, many states, including North Carolina, social-emotional learning is almost this buzzword, um, to the point where most people are like, what exactly is that? I think when we think about social-emotional learning, we should talk about what it is. How are we successful in the work that we do? Often I tell teachers and parents when they're confused about what social-emotional learning is, I ask them, what makes you successful every day? Uh, for, for you, it might be patience, it might be organization, it's communication skills, it's the ability to control your emotions. It's exactly what social-emotional learning is. And so we want to be able to raise our kids that have empathy and perspective-taking towards others, that have the ability to regulate their emotions because we are going to get upset and angry. All of those skills that kids need to be successful in math and science but also to be successful in building positive peer relationships and supportive relationships mm -hmm. with their parents. Mm -hmm. The very thing that makes you a good parent okay. probably includes some social-emotional learning. Very good. We've got about 30 seconds. Final thought as we kind of launch this series of looking at school safety. 
Final thought. Yeah, absolutely. I think when we think about school safety, there is not a panacea. It is about building strong relationships such that when kids have knowledge that things might go down in a school, that they communicate that. And they are doing that. So recognize that we do have strategies. Uh, they're not Band-Aid approaches, but we need to build strong relationships so we have communication within and outside of the school. Thank you so much for being with us today. We look forward to having you back again and working with you in the months and years ahead. After a brief break, we'll be back for the next segment of Education Matters. Education Matters is brought to you each week in part by Town Bank, serving others enriching lives. Welcome back to Education Matters. Did you correctly answer true? A study by researchers at NC State found that bias-based bullying does more harm to students than generalized bullying and that efforts to mitigate it are less effective. Joining us now is Tanya Hanna, Assistant Principal for Nightdale High School in Wake County and the coach of the Link Crew, as well as Nadine Jal, a Nightdale senior and member of the Link Crew. Thank you for joining us today. We're delighted to have you here. Thank you for having us. Good. Ms. Hanna, let's open up with you. Tell our viewers a little bit about uh, Nightdale High School and then also a little bit about the Origins and the Link Crew initiative. Nightdale High School is, we have about 1,700 students, um, different ethnicities, backgrounds, genders, um, personalities, many personalities. Um, Link Crew is actually based out of the Boomerang Project in California, Santa Cruz. Um, I'm actually one of the coordinators that were sent to be trained to bring this program to our school so kids coming in from middle school won't be afraid of coming to high school for the, for the first time. So our juniors and seniors are trained extensively for 10 hours to get them trained on what to do and how to handle and facilitate learning for students. And how long has Link Crew been a part of the Nightdale High? We're going into our fourth year. Well, congratulations. That's great. Nadine, let's turn to you and first let me congratulate you. Uh, senior graduating Thank class you. of 2020. Thank you. On your way to the university uh, in the fall. Um, tell us a little bit about how you became involved in Link Crew and how it works from a student's perspective in mm -hmm. making a difference for individuals as well as the school. Mm -hmm. So um, my freshman year coming into Nightdale, Link Crew was a program set in place and um, I had a Link Crew leader myself and I for my freshman orientation, that's when the Link Crew leaders kind of take us under their wing. And I thought, this this is great. I would love to be a part of this. I would love to be a part of the plan to make it better the next year and the next year. And I just thought, I have to be a part of it. So um, as soon as you hit junior year, that's when you could apply to become a Link Crew leader and um, take on the next class of um, the, the next freshman class. So um, that's, that's what I did. And so far, I've enjoyed it so much. It's one of my favorite things I've done at Nightdale. So everybody gets to be a Link Crew member? Or there's an application process? How does yes. that work? There's an extensive <laughs> application process because we have to kind of look for leaders that are very high in empathy and can, you know, talk to students and talk to them like they've known them for their whole life. We need students that are good at communicating and just getting their thoughts across and becoming friends with their um, students, their freshmen. Good. Let's stick with Nadine for just another, another minute. Um, our high schools are some of the most complex institutions in our community. 
diverse group of students, as Ms. Hannah mentioned, from all sorts of backgrounds, uh, attitudes, uh, experiences. How does Link Crew help make for a smoother transition from middle school into the freshman year of high school, from your perspective? So the transition, first of all, is a very big transition. And most of the time, our um, incoming freshmen are not ready for it. And when they come in, the first thing that they see as soon as they step into orientation is all of these smiling faces. All of us are wearing the same shirts. All of us are, you know, like screaming like, hey, how are you? You know, we're giving them high fives. There's a lot of energy in the gym when they first come in. And it just kind of sets this tone of positivity and this thing of like, this, the next few hours that you're going to be here is going to be fun. And the next few hours that you're going to be here, you're going to become more comfortable. And um, for them to walk in and see that positive vibe and to get into that atmosphere just gives them a good outlook on how their first day at Nightdale is going to be. Very good. So, Miss Hannah, you started as a teacher at Nightdale yes. High, uh -huh. four years in the assistant principalship there, the crew leader of the Link Crew. Um, how about from a faculty perspective, an adult school administrator perspective, what's your view of the Link Crew and how it's helped make that transition for middle school students? My passion has always been how to empower students to be the best version of themselves. Um, there's an expression, there's a, a, what kids say, things are dope, which means it's been really, really good. So I tell them to be independently dope. Be, embrace all of you and bring the best you to the school. Mm -hmm. So with Link Crew, what they do is they get to bring the best of themselves and give that to someone else. They get to leave a legacy of high school is exciting, high school is fun, I'm safe here, I'm positive here, they want me here. So the first day of school, after the training, they have at least 10 people that they already know. They have a whole bunch of people in the same shirt saying, welcome, glad to see you. If you're lost, we've got you. They escort new people around the school all the time. We had a new student today and they said, we need a Link Crew leader to help. And they volunteer. We have to say, that's enough. We have enough. And they walk the schedule with them so they don't get lost. If you don't have anyone to sit with lunch, find me. I'll sit with you so everyone feels welcome and no one feels unsafe. And that's right. what it's all about, leaving that legacy of high school is good, empowering, positive, and I'm not alone here. Right. So as we heard in the interview with Dr. Espelage, um, personal relationships is the very foundation of a climate and a safe school environment. What do you see as a school leader, as a student leader? How do you create those effective personal relationships? So um, what we like to do in our, in our orientation, so when we first meet our freshmen, um, lots of the things that we're doing throughout the day are activities that actually tie into something deeper. Like we do this juggling game, and um, we're juggling these, um, these stress balls, and we're, you know, we're having fun, everyone's laughing, giggling, I'm like, and then, at the end, you know, the leaders, me and the other leader that's leading the um, activity are actually like, you know, these stress balls can mean something. You know, this could be your homework. These, this could be your social life. This could be whatever. And it teaches them like, hey, like they're, they're actually talking to us about real stuff. You know, they're preparing us for this stuff and it's our first time seeing them. And at the end of um, our, our orientation, we like to set up a line of communication. So we have, um, I personally add all of my, uh, freshman kids on uh, social media so I could have, 
you know, a way to contact them, a way to see how they're doing, and whenever they post something on Snapchat, whenever they're posting something anywhere, and they're they're upset, I, you know, I always try to be the person that swipes up on their story, the, the person that texts them, like, hey, are you okay? And so once you start to do that time and time again, they start to trust you more. And you don't expect them to trust you at first, but once you keep doing that, once you stay persistent throughout the whole entire year, by the end of the year, they should be one of your very good friends. Very good. From a adult leadership at school, how have you and the faculty since Link Crew has affected the personal relationships in the school? Maybe not just with the students, but maybe between the students and the faculty. The faculty love Link Crew. If there's something going on at the school, can we use them? Because they're ambassadors, they know how to communicate, they know they're effective, they're positive, they're upbeat. Um, everyone wants to be a part of it. So when it's time to do recommendations, they're like throwing out names. This person would be a great candidate. Um, I think Link Crew has brought so much positive energy into our school. We're already positive. We already greet our kids. We already build relationships with our kids. But sometimes when we can't reach them, when we might say, well, how, what is your relationship with them? And ask Nadine, today um, one of our, our student body president, we needed a tutor for chemistry. And I said, are you willing? She was like, sure, let's go. And they just jump in and help out. That's not their link crew member. That's not their freshman. But it was a student in need and they just volunteered to help. That's the atmosphere we've built with this. Yeah. So we have about a minute left, maybe from each of your perspective, over the next three or four years, you'll be at the university getting ready to graduate. Hopefully you'll still be at Nightdale High, right? <laughs> what does a successful link crew look like in three or four years? Kindness. Just a group that spreads kindness and love and recognizes that everyone needs a friend. Very good. Well, one of our expressions is where everyone belongs. So in four years, I expect that our alumni come back and continue, because they come back and they volunteer. They come back and help train the new leaders. They come back and mm -hmm. do banners and post signs. And I expect them to continue to grow and, great, and be great. Very good. Thank you so much for both of you being here. And we're going to look forward to visiting Nightdale High and see uh, Link Crew in action. Look forward to it. Thank mm -hmm. you. After this break, this week's final word. While we know that the core mission of every school is to advance each student's learning and personal development, our school personnel from principals and teachers to bus drivers and school resource officers all know that every minute of every school day, they must also ensure the safety and well-being of each child. And it's not only the physical safety of students that education must concern themselves with. Our public schools also accept an equally important responsibility of safeguarding the mental health and social emotional well-being of each child as they walk the halls and engage in classroom learning. Creating a safe and caring school climate and culture is at the top of the list for our principals and teachers, and its foundation is knowing the needs of each child in our care. While there are many ingredients that go into creating a healthy school culture and a safe school building, research has shown that the most essential ingredient to building this atmosphere is developing strong personal relationships. Even if each one of our 1.5 million students interacted with only 10 people each school day, that alone is 15 million personal interactions in just one day, and it's repeated each day for 180 days. Key relationships exist between student and teacher, teacher and parent, teacher and teacher, and yes, most frequently, between student and student. Effective communications and building trust between each of these key roles is what serves as the foundation for a school that is safe for our students, teachers, and parents every day. 
Like a healthy family, schools require ongoing attention to building relationships where our students know they have caring adults committed to ensuring their safety and well-being, as well as that of their classmates. It's essential for the school administrators, faculty and staff to build their relationships with parents and guardians based on mutual respect and trust, allowing open communication where our students see the positive working relation, they feel more support and are willing to be an equal partner in the equation for a safe and healthy school climate. We can devote ourselves to developing strong relationships throughout the school building. Our students and educators will be healthier, happier, and ultimately safer. That's it for this week's show. Thanks for watching and we'll see you next week.